0: Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you, so glad to have you with us today. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Tucker Franklin of the Arrowhead Report from Sports Illustrated. We'll be talking about the Chiefs' matchup with the Chargers this week and looking ahead to the postseason. Should be a great conversation when Tucker joins us, coming up later on, on today's show. A reminder, as always, to subscribe to the Jones Report on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Leave us a five star review or don't leave us one at all. Also, you can follow me on social media Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live at TJ Media Group, and on Instagram, Tyler Jones Live and Jones underscore report is where you can find us there. Hope you had a good Christmas. I certainly did. Looking forward to starting off. 2021 here in just a day and uh, should be great to uh, start a new year and I know that a lot of people are uh, very uh, welcoming to the idea of a new start to uh, move on from what has been a uh, wild year in 2020 uh, to turn the chapter to the next page. But nonetheless, uh, we're glad to be here and we've had a lot of fun doing this show uh, with you throughout the year. Uh, as we've done, and we even stepped up things during the pandemic. Uh, you know, We've gone to two shows a week and haven't looked back since, and also have uh, our new racing show with NASCAR driver David Starr going on as well. And you can subscribe to that on uh, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, also on YouTube uh, for that show. So we would certainly appreciate if you check that out there. But today, I, I want to get to the college football playoff. We'll talk about that coming up later on as well as uh, we'll talk about um, the Big 12 and how they've done in these bowl games. I do want to touch on those things coming up in uh, just a bit. But where I do want to start today is uh, looking at in the National Football League, as we're in Week 17. And, you know, we, we hear Scott Hansen each week refer to uh, the uh, the... Last hour of the noon games is the witching hour. And I feel like that week 17 in the NFL is just the witching hour for the season of what could unfold this week. And you look at these different scenarios here, and uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty wild what could play out all the different possibilities. For the Kansas City Chiefs, they're pretty much the only team in the National Football League. That knows exactly what they're getting into this week and how that they're going to shape out. Um, you know, for the Chiefs, you know that you're going to be at the very least 14 and two, maybe 15 and one. 15 and one certainly looks better. Um, that either way, you're going to have the number one seed and have home field advantage throughout the entire playoffs. That's what you know is what's ahead, and that the only time that you would have to travel is if you were to go to the Super Bowl. And take on the NFC team there in Tampa. That would be it for the Chiefs right now. Um, and they're the only team that knows that at the moment. Everyone else, the rest of the AFC, even the NFC, as well as the Packers have played. No one knows exactly what their seeding will be and who they're playing. Now, we've seen some teams like Pittsburgh who say, you know what, we're comfortable, we're in the playoffs, we we'll won the division let's go ahead and rest our starters and not fight for uh, the two seed or something like that. Rest guys like Big Ben, T.J. Watt, some others. In uh, the Chiefs' case here, here's what you're setting up, essentially, is that Patrick Mahomes is off this week, he's off next week, and then he comes back for their divisional round game. And so, you know, what is that? Two, three weeks off? that Patrick Mahomes and a lot of these starters are not going to have to play, that's a game changer. That's a lot of rest time. Basically, there's one of two things that can happen for this Chiefs team during that stretch. Either that's much-needed rest time, and they, you know, get healthy, and, you know, Andy Reid adds more to the offense, and they really work out a bunch of kinks, I've been telling you for quite some time that when you looked at this Kansas City Chiefs team, they weren't playing to their full potential in the sense of they weren't necessarily playing down to their opponents, they were holding something back, that this team has something left in the tank that we still haven't seen yet in 2020. Now, essentially you've given Andy Reid two weeks to add to that tank and figure out what exactly you want to put together of that stuff you haven't shown for the postseason yet. Um, that's certainly an idea. The other thing that could happen, and this happened with the Baltimore Ravens last year, was you could be in a situation where, um, you come out too rusty. And it looks like that you haven't played together, that you get out of sync, you get out of rhythm of some sorts, and somebody else takes advantage of it and beats you. Now, here's where I look at for the Chiefs. As I've said, I don't believe that they're playing their best football because they're holding something back. But I do think there is a little bit of rust of some sorts too. I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. Um, Patrick Mahomes doesn't complete less than 60% of his passes solely because the Chiefs offense is holding something back. Patrick Mahomes has not played his best football the last few weeks. And so, you know, you have that time. I think I would take the chance if I'm the Chiefs, and they're going to, obviously, of the idea of, well, this team could be rusty or whatever it may be with the uh, idea of, well, you know what, they haven't played their best football. I don't think the Chiefs are going to play any worse than they've done in the last five or six weeks with these single-digit wins. I think this can only help you this time off that the Chiefs are going through that they're about to experience here. Um, I don't see them doing what Baltimore did. Um, and, you know, we had Diana Rossini on a couple weeks ago, and we, she talked about that Baltimore game last year, that the time off leading to that game against the Titans was the worst thing that could have happened to the Ravens. Because um, they were playing hot in the year, playing their best football, take the week off, and they came out cold. And they weren't the same team. You can't say that about the Chiefs right now. This team's not entering a situation where they're just red hot on fire and the week off is going to slow them down of some sorts. It's not the case. This team still wants Mitchell Schwartz back. You know, he still needs to get healthy. They believe he's going to be back for the postseason uh, along with just some of the injuries here. They need this time, and that's okay. And you will look at this week, and... Uh, for this Chiefs team, you take out the Chargers. Chargers have had a decent year. Um, you know, it's it's been some up and downs, but it's a very young football team there in uh, in Los Angeles. I keep wanting to say San Diego. Um, I think you look at for this Chiefs team this week against the Chargers that you get those young guys experience. Other than, you know, Chad Henney, obviously. Uh, he's been in the league for a while. This is the first time he's made a start since 2014, I believe. Um, but, you know, get those guys like LeJarrius, Steen, some of these others, more of that game time experience, you know, playing against a decent opponent that took you to the wire back in week two. And rest your guys, get healthy. That sounds fine to me. And, and figure things out from there. I think this is a week where those guys scout the Chargers pretty heavily. Then um, you pay the attention to those guys because you got to be ready next man up when it comes to playoff time. Um, if there's an injury of some sorts, now you've had that moment. You know what it's like on that stage uh, to play. So that's what this week's about. Uh, I'm not putting a whole lot of stock into the Chargers game. Not going to be in the end of the world if this team loses. Uh, you know, it just really isn't. Um, And so that's what I look at with the Chiefs right now is this week doesn't mean a whole lot. You're just getting game experience for your young guys. And then the other caveat to that um, is that the idea of this team being hurt momentum-wise, there, there's not a whole lot of momentum right now. They're going to be okay. Um, looking at this team right now, I think that you say, you know, what, what are the, the worries about this group? going into the postseason we'll talk more about this next week but I think you look at with this team and you say well you know the defensive line certainly has had its struggles but they did get four sacks against Atlanta Alex Okufor finally broke through uh you know some of these other guys that's there's some reason to to be optimistic that you liked something uh that they've played better the last couple weeks maybe that's a good sign um, you know, the secondary has been up and down, but Snead, uh, since he's returned from injury has been the best cornerback on this chiefs team. And so, okay, you're looking at, you're saying, well, there's, there's reason to be optimistic that group can get better. And the recipe for the chiefs has been that if the defensive line does its part, then that helps out the secondary. That's how Spags set this thing up. Um, so In theory, you'd think if the defensive line continues to improve, that's only going to help the secondary. Um, And then the offensive line got to get healthy. And, you know, you do those things. This team, there's no reason to think that they can't be Super Bowl champs again. Um, What I will say, though, is if, if I am wrong and the Chiefs have not been holding something back, if this is who they are, then that's not good enough to win the Super Bowl. If this is who they are. I do believe there's something else there. I, I'm, I'm, I am going to uh, ride that wave to the end. I do believe there's something else there. But th- if if this is who they are, a Buffalo Bills team that plays an A performance against this Chiefs team wins. Um, you don't even get out of the AFC like that. Um, the Packers play an A performance, they win. The Saints play an A performance against this group, they win. Remember, Drew Brees was horrible when the Chiefs played the Saints a couple weeks ago. But I'm dying on this hill that the Chiefs have something left in the tank that they're holding something back here. The MVP is Aaron Rodgers. That's fine. That's not the end of the world. It's an award. You have bigger prizes out there um, You know that you're going for. You're going for a Super Bowl title, not the end of the world. Patrick Mahomes will get his. His day will come. Um, but that's kind of where we're at with this Chiefs team right now. Is that you have some, you know, areas of that you look at, you know, those those few things, and the million dollar question. I think what it just comes down to for this postseason is, um, do the Chiefs have something less that left that we haven't seen? And I think the answer is a resounding yes. And that's going to be the key for this team. So that's where I'm looking at with this group right now. Let's go around the rest of the National Football League. And uh, with Week 17, they, they changed this up a few years ago where you don't have anybody playing on Monday Night Football and you don't have anybody playing like a Saturday or a midweek game of some sorts. And it's all divisional games on Sunday. Um, so it all is going to play out pretty quickly. We are going to know who's in the postseason and who's not by Sunday night, and that's just going to be it. And um, looking at these games, let's go. Let's first go over those scenarios that I teased uh, earlier. So here's how this ultimately all plays out. Here, uh, the Chiefs have won the AFC West and have a first round bye. They're going to go with Chad Henney and and uh, do that deal. Don't play the Chargers this week. It's basically a preseason game that they didn't get to play earlier. Um, the Buffalo Bills have won the AFC East, but they have not clinched the number two seed. Now the Steelers have clinched the AFC North. They're the number three seed right now. With a Bills loss and a Steelers win, they move up to the two seed. But the Steelers have said, "Hey, look, we rather have Big Ben stay healthy and get some rest than try to compete for the two seed. Not really worth it." So Buffalo uh, is in pretty good shape to be the number two seed with Pittsburgh in the situation that they are in. Then you go from there and everything else is wide open in the AFC. Um, the AFC South title is still up for grabs between the Colts and the Titans. That could go either way. Um, the other situations are the wild cards. Remember there's three this year. Um, Baltimore, if they win, they are in. Cleveland, if they win, they are in. Indy, in order to get in, they need either, they need a win and a Tennessee loss or tie uh, to get in, in their case. So they need some help. Miami, they need a win and they're in. Tennessee needs a win and they're in. Um, and... Uh, so that's how it plays out in the AFC. Basically, um, you know, everybody controls their own destiny except the Indianapolis Colts. Now, here's the NFC playoff picture. No one has clinched home field yet. Um, the Packers, uh, you know, their their situation, they're trying to clinch home field, uh, still trying to hold off the Saints uh, at this point, as well as Seattle. Seattle could still get home field, I believe, um, at this point. They're all three division champions. The Bucks have clinched a playoff berth, but obviously they have not, uh, they didn't win the division. Uh, the Saints won that division. Um, so here's the scenarios that play out in the NFC. The Cardinals clinch a playoff berth if they beat the Rams uh, or a Arizona tie and Chicago loss. The Bears clinch a playoff berth if they win and an Arizona loss um, or a tie and an Arizona tie. Um, Dallas, they get into the postseason with a win and a Washington loss or tie um, or a Dallas tie and a Washington loss. Uh, Green Bay, they clinch the first round by with a win or a tie or a Seattle loss and a tie. The Rams clinch a playoff berth with a win or tie or a Chicago loss or tie. The uh, Saints clinch a first round bye with a New Orleans win, a Green Bay loss and a Seattle win. A lot to work there. The Giants can still clinch the NFC East. The, the New York Giants can with a, with a win and a Washington loss. Seattle can clinch a first round bye with a win, a Green Bay loss, a New Orleans loss or tie. The Washington football team clinches the NFC East Division title in a playoff spot with a win uh, or a tie and a Dallas loss or tie. So those are all the scenarios. Now the games themselves. Let's run through those. Steelers taking on the Browns. No big Ben. Cleveland favored by 10 points. We're going to pick this game coming up later on the show when Coach Bo stops by. Um, but for this game here, what's fascinating is that sure, the Steelers have made it clear their intentions that they're not necessarily uh, trying to, you know, win this game by sitting out Big Ben and some of these other guys here. But don't think for a second that Mason Rudolph is just going to lay down here. Uh, this is the first time that he and Miles Garrett will be on the field together since what happened last year. Um you know, he's fighting to potentially be Big Big Ben's replacement or find a job elsewhere here. I expect Mason Rudolph and those guys to rally around him and make this a competitive football game. Um, if anything, just to, you know, make a statement of some sorts, you know, that he's, you know, fighting for a job and, and wants to stick it to Miles Garrett. So um, I don't rule out just because the Steelers are... Ma- are uh, not playing everybody, that this team isn't going to still compete come Sunday in this game against Cleveland. Cleveland last week was an outlier. They were out their top, what, three, four receivers? Yeah, they lost the Jets, but Baker Mayfield didn't have anybody to throw him the football. I'm not that concerned about what the uh, Browns did in that game against the Jets. This is a week-to-week league. And, uh, I I think that the Browns are going to be much more prepared, much better than they were last week. It'll be okay for them. The uh, Dolphins taking on the Bills. We'll pick this game coming up later in the show. The, uh, Bills, we'll still see, we're still waiting to see if they're all in on this game or not. Um, and you know, the Dolphins, I don't like the way that they've handled this situation of going with. Tua and then going to Fitzmagic and and that whole ordeal, uh, the way that's shaped out and such. But nonetheless, that's what what they've done. And I don't know how that's going to work out, how they're, you know, plan to uh, go about that quarterback situation if Tua's going to play the whole game or not. But they need this more than Buffalo does. And, you know, this what's so hard about picking Week 17 is we don't know who's going to play yet. We're still figuring out all those details. And, uh, you know, you you don't know who's going to show up, who's playing for their jobs in the future. In this case, um, you know, I would lean towards Miami because they it more, but I'm not confident one way or the other. The Ravens taking out the Bengals. Uh, This one should be uh, pretty ugly. The Ravens should win this one going away. The Bengals, credit where credit's due. Joe Burrow went down, a lot of people wrote this team off uh, and, you know, compared them to a college team or something like that. But Brandon Allen's played well. They, they've rattled off some wins here, most notably that Monday night game against the Steelers. Um, but the Ravens have hit another gear. And if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs, that's the last team I want to play in that wild card round. And you very well could end up playing the Baltimore Ravens in that, in that, uh, that divisional round matchup. Um, with that being said, Um, with the way the Ravens are playing right now, that team, I think they'll put away Cincinnati handily, and I I still think that Baltimore, sure, they're going to be listed as a five seed, but, uh, I would put them in the top four in the AFC. I, I like them better than their own division champs than Pittsburgh right now, um, and I think I like them better than Tennessee or Indy. Uh, realistically, I think Baltimore you can make a case as the third best team in the AFC right now. So I would stay, I would not want anything to do with playing Baltimore in uh, that opening round of the playoffs at this point. Um, the Vikings taking on the Lions. Uh, meaningless game. I guess they're just playing for draft positions and such. Uh, in that one, uh, you know, the, uh, the Lions were just horrible last week against the Bucs. I expect the Vikings to win this game. Not going to be a pretty game for either one of these teams, Um, but the Vikings should handle business. The Jets taking on the Patriots. This game does not matter uh, in any way when it comes to the playoffs. The Jets have won two straight now, but um, I I would say that don't read too much into that. Uh, you You beat a Rams team that has not been the same Rams team the last month. And you beat a Browns team that didn't have their receivers. Um, the Patriots, it was funny seeing Belichick on Monday night throw on the phone, just the way that they laid an egg against the Bills. Bills were running up the score and everything. That was beautiful to see. Um, you know, this one, this is a hard game to figure out because you you have teams playing for draft positions, but you have other, you know, playing for your jobs too here. Um You know, I would lean towards New England, but I wouldn't rule out the Jets uh, in this game just because we we really don't know uh, as far as that goes. Um, Cam Newton playing for his football future. Uh, That's certainly something to follow. Sam Darnold playing for his football future here. Um, That's what I think you have have to keep in mind here is, well, yes, the draft picks, you know, are something here. These guys have... Uh, are playing for their football lives. This, this is an audition of sorts for those guys. Cowboys taking on the Giants. Cowboys are 6-9, Giants are 5-10, and, and this game's got playoff implications. That's ridiculous, but it's the case here. Um, you know, the Giants, this team had a bit of a nice stretch there where they beat Seattle and looked decent, um, but they're back to who we thought they were. Dallas is playing some better football with Andy Dalton. Uh, He's getting in a rhythm of some sorts there. I would lean towards Dallas in this game uh, with their prolific offense, what they're capable of. That defense, that's one of the worst defenses I've ever seen. Um, But they don't play much defense in the NFC East as is. Uh, I I would lean towards Dallas to take care of business there uh, against the uh, New York Giants there in uh, New York but it is the uh the Cowboys. So you can never count out that they'll find ways to screw it up. The uh Falcons taking on the Bucks. Falcons at 4 and 11, Bucks at 10 and 5. And the Bucks have already clinched a playoff spot, but they have not locked up the number 5 seed. That's not a done deal. They could lose that seed. They're still playing for seeding. I believe everybody's still going to play for Tampa Bay. And Tom Brady's hitting his stride. This team's getting better. What did I tell you about Tampa at the beginning of the year? I said, they're not going to be very good at first. This team's going to take time. It's going to, uh, they're going to be a much different team coming to the end of the season. And that's exactly what we've seen from Tampa Bay, is that they hit a lot of rough spots. They had a couple walls where this team just looked embarrassing. And now this team is coming together. They're hitting their stride. They're finding their own here. And you want to talk about momentum and getting things ready for the postseason. This is a team that you take this week against the Falcons who uh, have competed hard uh, under Raheem Morris and and such. This is a week that if you're uh, Tampa Bay that you don't lay down, you don't take this opponent lightly and you go out there and try to establish something to continue for next week into the postseason here. This is where I think playing in Week 17, can benefit a team like Tampa Bay. Packers taking down the Bears. We're going to pick this game kind of later in the show. Um, the Bears, everything about them says that they've been playing better football the last month. And Mitch Trubisky's got a chance to, to keep his job and, and, and all those things there. Um, but now they're playing the one team. The one team that... You look at it and you say, "There's just no chance uh, that you know when the Packers take the field against the Bears, the game's over before it starts, almost every time." Um, you know, if if Chicago was playing, you know, let, let's just throw another team out there. Let's say the Rams this week. You say, "Okay, yeah, they can compete. They can win there. No chance. I'm giving no chance for Trubisky and company." against the Packers. Packers have something to play for. Rodgers is good at uh, at Soldier Field. We'll talk about this more, but man, uh, you talk about getting stuck uh, against the one team you don't want to play. This is it for Chicago. Aaron Rodgers trying to lock up that MVP. I think that actually means something to him uh, at this point in his career. Um, and the way that they've been playing, I, I expect Green Bay to to be just fine come Sunday. Broncos take on the Raiders. Man, the Raiders are an interesting story. I'd be curious to talk to John Gruden, hear an interview or something with him after the season about just what the hell happened, Gruden, with your team. How did you get in this position where it looked like you were a playoff team and then just fall apart down the stretch? I understand the defense was just terrible, but what happened? Are they going to keep Derek Carr? What on earth has gone on with this Raiders team? It just makes no sense how this team has fallen apart. Uh, Denver, you're 5-10. and 10. You had so many injuries throughout the year, uh, before the year even started. I don't think that you're sitting here, in Denver's case, and you're feeling too bad about where you stand, just with all that went down at this point. Um, you know, I'm not a believer in Drew Locke. I think they do need to move on from Drew Locke, but I don't ex- I don't expect that to happen this offseason. Um, the Raiders that that 7 and 8 record, you finish 8 and 8, I think you're feeling a lot better about how your season finished if uh you, you get that win to put you at 500 and uh, you know, show that you did have some success this season, but That one, to me, just does not make sense of what on earth happened to this Raiders team compared to who they were at the beginning of the season. Um, Also, the Colts and the Jags. Jags, uh, I've already locked up the number one pick. It doesn't matter what happens this week. Colts fighting for a playoff spot. This one should be pretty ugly. Colts need it, uh, you know, at, at this point. And, you know, they had that collapse last week against the Steelers, which was just inexcusable. But nonetheless, it, it did happen. Um, I expect the uh, the Colts to uh, put on a barn burner and uh, win this one pretty handily. Rams taking out the Cardinals. We'll talk about that coming up later on in the show. Um, no Jared Goff for the Rams. He's got an injury. Kyler Murray coming off an injury himself here. It's almost like survival of the fittest of sorts in this matchup up between uh, these two teams. Uh, who do you got left? And that's what happens when you get to this point in the year. When you come to week 17 is who's left. And, uh, you know, even with that being said, with Arizona, sure, they might be a little healthier, but that team looked exhausted last week against the Niners, that they didn't have anything left in the tank mentally for that game. Um, the Rams have looked that way for the last month of just what you know, this team just falling apart. So something's got to give this week between these two teams um, when it comes Sunday between Arizona and uh, Los Angeles uh, at this point. And, and I think the best case scenario you're hoping for the Rams without having Jared Goff is that your next option gives you a spark of some sorts. Maybe this is where you you look at and you say, okay, We haven't played our best. Can our backup come in and give us a spark? That's all you can hope for, basically. 49ers taking on the Seahawks. Seahawks still competing for that number one seed at this point. 49ers, great story last week with C.J. Beathard and everything. But, uh, you know, you add in George Kittle getting back. That was big, and he looked great last week. But the Seahawks... Uh, you know, they better put their best foot forward. I know the Seahawks not looked great. Uh, the defense is getting better, but they know what they need to do. Seahawks should be fine against San Francisco. That game in Arizona. Uh, Saints taking out the Panthers. Similar to what we said with some of these other games. Saints know they need to win. Panthers are not a good football team. Matt Rules well overcoached that group. Drew Brees. Uh, you know, still trying to get healthier and everything, and, and yet they still are playing some good football, and he's not quite there yet. Should be a big day for the Saints against the Panthers. Titans take it on the Texans, and, and this is one that you raise your eyebrows a little bit here as far as trap games go for teams. Titans know they need to win this one, but the Texans are nobody to sleep on. Um, with Deshaun Watson involved and everything. Um, I know they lost the Bengals last week. But they've shown throughout this season that offense with Deshaun there is still very capable. And you you got guys playing for their jobs and everything there. They're not playing for a draft pick. Miami gets their pick. So that to me is one where you know Tennessee not looking too hot against Green Bay last week where you say, you know, if somebody could really screw this all up, you know, Houston's better than what their record indicates. It could be Houston there against Tennessee. That is something to watch for. Uh, Washington taking on Philly. That's the Sunday night game. We're going to pick this game coming up later on the show. The football team taking on the Eagles. Uh, Philly's already out there. The one team in the NFC East that does not have a shot. Uh, They had that 4-10-1 record. Jalen Hurts getting his fourth career start. Uh, Washington, Alex Smith should be back. And, you know... With all they endured with Dwayne Haskins, and I don't like the way they handled that, but they're feeling relieved that they can move on uh, from Dwayne Haskins and, and have a uh, you know clearing of the mind of sorts, you know, getting rid of a uh, you know a pest of some sorts, you know, pest control, getting rid of Dwayne Haskins essentially. Um, now Alex Smith, they've been a different team when he's been under center for them uh you go back you know two three years in his time that he's been there they have been a different football team um philly presents a challenge young quarterback not a whole lot of film and everything to prepare for jalen hurts i've been impressed with what he's done washington should win this game but it's one that you can't just automatically write off and say that philly's not going to show up you know they're potentially playing for their coach Young quarterback trying to get experience, trying to prove something here. Um, this one could still be a challenge uh, for Washington to take care of business. We'll pick this game coming up in a bit. But there we have That's our look around the National Football League. The NFL playoff picture, it is uh, going to be something else. We're going to talk about it more with uh, Tucker Franklin when, when he joins us coming up later on in the show. But uh, we'll move on and uh, talk college football. You've heard me say for the last couple of weeks on this show that I don't think these college football playoff games are going to be close. That Alabama and Clemson are really just on a whole other level compared to everybody else. And really, it's Alabama on one level, Clemson on another, and then everyone else after that. And, you know, based on what I saw from Oklahoma in that game against Florida the other night, which was just fantastic. I, I was so happy for Lincoln Riley and that OU team, You know, they have been hearing all that crap about that, you know, they don't belong in the same field as Florida, that they're not on their level, and then they just manhandle them. And, uh, you know, Dan Mullen, he makes these comments uh, after the game, just, you know, just sounding like a douchebag of uh, saying that, you know, well, our last game of 2020 was 11 days ago, and... Uh, You know, just some ridiculous stuff out of Dan Mullen's mouth that was even more embarrassing than the loss themselves. A great day for Oklahoma. With that being said, I know that Florida was without nine starters and some legit NFL talent. Are we sure we got the four best teams in the playoff? You know, this, this playoff has been... The definition, you know, they, they've said, they've told us from the jump, you know, that, hey, we're trying to get the four best teams in. I've seen nothing that would tell me otherwise that Oklahoma can't beat Ohio State and Notre Dame right now. There's nothing that says otherwise, why I should believe that Oklahoma can't beat Ohio State and Notre Dame. And then you may say, well, they barely beat Iowa State. Iowa State's a top 10 team. Iowa State's better than Northwestern they better than Indiana. Um, you know, I look at those teams. Ohio State's quality wins. Oklahoma's got better quality wins than Ohio State does. So, with with, with all that being said, um, the four teams we got in there are not the four best teams. Um, and they're not even the four most deserving teams. I think Cincinnati has a better case, you know, as, as far as playing the entire season, being conference champions, going undefeated. They have a better case than... A six-win Ohio State does, uh, personally. And so, uh, with all that going on here, I think that you're looking at that an Alabama team that just does everything better than Notre Dame does. A Clemson team that does just everything better than Ohio State does. More talented group. Um, I didn't realize this. It took me a minute to, to, to think about it, but this would be the third time Clemson and Ohio State have met in a playoff semifinal. Isn't that crazy? We have focused so much about Clemson and Alabama and that if they play in the college football national championship game on January 11th, that will be the uh, fourth meeting that they've had in the college football playoffs. This will be the third time for Clemson and Ohio State. In the previous two meetings, Clemson whooped the hell out of Ohio State the first time they met. And then last year came down to the wire. Clemson won that game. And more than likely, they're going to go three for three here. One of the things that's been talked about with Oklahoma, one of the counterpoints, the arguments that I've heard uh, from people in the last, you know, day or so about if Oklahoma could beat Ohio State or Notre Dame again was, well... You're just going to throw them in. They go get blown out again in the playoffs. If they haven't shown up other than when uh, they played Georgia in that Rose Bowl and went down the wire there. And, and I would say to you this this is a year to year thing. Nothing matters what happened in previous years with this playoff system. And, you know, when, when I say that Clemson is going to have their way with Ohio State now. Alabama is going to have their way with Notre Dame doesn't have anything to do with what I've seen the last few years with those programs. It's what the where these teams are at right now and you saw what Clemson did against Notre Dame the way that Alabama has been playing all season long this offense is the best offense we've ever seen at Alabama under Nick Saban it just has the writings of the wall. And it has nothing to do with what's happened previously. In fact, with Ohio State, if I'm going to go on name brand and name brand recognition, you look at Ohio State and you say, well, this is a team that wins the Big Ten every year, that uh, has an NFL quarterback in Justin Fields, and you know a lot of talent around him, Trey Sermon, some of these other guys that get, you know, uh, legit defense, you know, all these things, you would say, well, on paper, Ohio State looks like, uh, you know, they can compete. But, but and, and based on history, you would say that, you know, hey, this is a legit program. They they won the first ever college football national title. But what have you done for me this year? Ohio State has not been impressive this season. Uh, Notre Dame has not been impressive down the stretch with what they did against Clemson in that ACC championship game. I cannot look past that. Now, there there is one thing, and an outlier that could change everything for Ohio State. Um, You want to talk scenarios and such here. One advantage that they have compared to the other four teams, and I think it's an advantage, but ultimately it might not be an advantage. And that is uh, the fact that with their six games, you could argue, well, they're fresher. That you've had 11 days, you know, 11, 12, 13 days to prepare for Ohio State. Your bodies are fresh. You've had less, uh, you got, you know, less wear and tear in sorts. That's the one thing that I think for Ohio State that we don't know about. And one thing I've said that, you know, it's been consistent throughout this show is, uh, you know, the progression of these teams, how much teams change throughout the season. Maybe Ohio State's change. Maybe that elevation of sorts when they become a different football team is just what happens in these 12 or 13 days. I don't think that's the case, but that's the one thing that we cannot account for, that we don't know is going to be the case, is did Ohio State? get significantly better in the time between the Big Ten Championship and the college football playoffs. And they very well could. Not rolling that out. But I don't think that's going to be the case. That's the one thing we're looking at. And Clemson, without their offensive coordinator, um, you know, their passing game coordinator is going to take over play calling duties and such. How much is that going to affect them? Um, remember a few years back when Lane Kiffin got let go As offensive coordinator between the playoff semifinal and the national championship, Steve Sarkeesian had to take over calling the national championship game for Alabama, how big of a deal that was for Alabama to uh, move on like that short-term to have a new play caller at the very last minute and everything. You could argue that that was the difference in them losing the national championship to Clemson that year was uh, not having uh, Lane Kiffin there and making that change that they chose to do. How's that going to affect Clemson? I would think that it won't affect them because I do believe they are significantly better than Ohio State, but in actuality, we don't know what that effect is going to be. That is going to be something we're going to have to find out come game day. So Clemson-Ohio State, the much more interesting game with the unknowns of how Ohio State Have they gotten better, significantly better in that stretch of 12 to 13 days with, uh, you know, growing as a team, being uh, older as this year has gone along and such, and and adapting and growing? Have they made that, uh, you know, they've said, Ryan Day says, full strength is a floating target, uh, that... They're going to be close to 100% of having their team there. And we haven't seen Ohio State at that all season long. Um, and, and Clemson without their offensive coordinator and such, that's going to be the thing to watch there. I think Alabama, Notre Dame is more predictable that you look and see Alabama and Notre Dame have both played all season. And then Alabama has one of the most dynamic offenses we've ever seen in college football. Their defense shows up when they need to. And Notre Dame has a uh, game manager quarterback in Ian Book. Uh, You know, they they, they laid an egg against Clemson. And they have, uh, you know, made a name for themselves. Notre Dame has as being this physical football team. And every sign of that just went out the window when they ended up uh, in that game against Clemson. They didn't look physical at all. And Clemson at full strength was the more physical football team. So those are the things I look at with these semifinals that intrigue me. Um, I think ultimately we're setting up for another Clemson-Alabama national title game. I would give an edge to Alabama of what they've done all season long. Um, But I would say this, no matter who wins the Heisman Trophy, whether it's Mac Jones or somebody from this Alabama team, the best player in the country is still Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence is not going to win the Heisman because of getting COVID in the time he missed. And, you know, it's one of those situations, folks, where the best player doesn't get the Heisman because it's a regular season award. Um, Trevor Lawrence, that's the one thing that I think you can't rule out as far as comparing Clemson to Alabama is that there is still something there. That uh, these big-time players step up in these big-time games. And we've seen that maybe they gave out the right Heisman for the regular season going to Reggie Bush. But really, Vince Young was the best player on the field. Um, You know, that story's been told a few times. I think... That's what you hold out if you're Clemson as far as Alabama goes is, you know what, Alabama looks better on paper. And sure, they may have the Heisman, the eventual Heisman Trophy winner in Mac Jones. Um, but the real best player on the field is Trevor Lawrence. We know that. Who's going to be the number one pick? It's not going to be Mac Jones. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence. So that's something to keep in mind there is don't let that Heisman fool you. Who's the number one prospect? You know who it is. It's Trevor Lawrence. So, uh, there you have it. college football playoffs should be, uh, interesting. I don't expect competitive games. I think Alabama and Clemson should have their way. We'll talk more about this when coach Bowe stops by for our pick segment later on in the show, but nonetheless, um, you know, this, uh, these games with, uh, Ohio state and Notre Dame. Oh, my gosh. What, what are you doing? What, what are you doing here at this point? Right um what would an Oklahoma Ohio State game look like I think Oklahoma could beat Ohio State by a touchdown I think they could beat Notre Dame by 10 points I think they could if they're playing their best if they get off the hot start like they do in the first quarter like they've done all season long I think that Oklahoma team could do that that's why we need to expand this playoff think about this if you have an expanded playoff Let's put in here's somebody asked me this on Twitter the other day. What would you do with an expanded playoff? I would go with the five power five champions, I would go with the best group of five team, men major, and then I'd go two wild card berths. And you would have in this playoff situation, if that worked out that way, Clemson, Oregon, Alabama. Oklahoma and Ohio State would be in your playoff as five teams, okay? And then the best group of five teams, Cincinnati gets in as a six, and then your other teams are Notre Dame and Texas A&M filling out your final playoff spots. Who says no? Who wouldn't watch that? Alabama, you know, ends up playing Oregon, walks through that game, but the others would be exciting would be incredible to watch i'd be all in for that now clemson probably has their way with cincinnati um but other than that folks that'd be electric and we could see if you know that oklahoma team who i think is really good right now i'm looking at next season i think alabama and oklahoma are going to be the teams to beat next year um what if oklahoma gets that chance against ohio state and notre dame to say you know what uh playoff time, here we are. We are a better team than what we were this beginning of the season. College football is such a sport it is, changes so much from how much teams grow. I think that would be the better way to show how much a team has grown by expanding the playoff a bit. Um, you know, the BCS I hated the BCS at two teams, but the way that this season has gone. I think four is almost worse than a two-team system. Because we can tell you going into this weekend, yeah, Alabama and Clemson are the top teams. They're going to play for the national championship. They'll get it over it with. It almost feels like we're kind of wasting our time at four. But if we go to eight, then we can really prove something that, hey, you know what? Notre Dame and, and uh, Ohio State, there's a better option. Somebody that could actually... Pose a better challenge to Alabama or Clemson than maybe those two teams, maybe so. Anyways, with that being said, Tucker Franklin gonna join us. We'll talk Chiefs and uh, get his thoughts on uh, their postseason, how that all stacks up later on in the show. Got our Pigskin Pick'em, Brian O'Connor, O'Connor advisor, gonna 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 stop by and join us. Look forward to that. Stay with us as we're all along here on the Jones Report. <laughs> Joining us now on the Jones Report this week from the Arrowhead Report on Sports Illustrated covering the Kansas City Chiefs, also the host of the Roughing the Kicker Chiefs podcast. It is Tucker Franklin making his debut on the show this week. Tucker, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, Ben.
1: Yeah, Tyler, I've been waiting for your DM to ask me to come on the podcast. I'm a big fan of the show, and I, I really enjoy what you do, even though, admittedly, I am a Mizzou fan. I do enjoy what you do.
0: (laughs) Hey, hey, I appreciate that. Had to uh, just by coincidence happen to be wearing a KU shirt today. But (laughs) nonetheless, Tucker, uh, tell us about your background. You mentioned you're a Mizzou fan. Uh, Mm You've been covering the Chiefs uh, a while now. Uh, Tell us how you uh, ended up at SI there, man. What's what's your story?
1: Yeah, so I started at Northwest Missouri State University. I guess we're going to take it all the way back there because it's not that long ago for me. I'm only... 22 years old, first off. And I graduated in December of 2019. So about a year ago, I graduated and I had a full time job at that point at the Maryville Forum, a daily newspaper up there um, in Maryville. And I was working there and and then I got laid off due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And and I was in talks with Joshua Briscoe, who does Arrowhead Report with me. And I was actually his intern during the summer before I took the full-time job at in Maryville. And we were talking about, hey, you know, what's he got I'll, I'll approached for this job at Sports Illustrated. They said he can bring somebody on with him. We were talking about it. And it just so happened that Right place, right time, I guess, in terms of timing and everything with the with the pandemic going on and, and me getting laid off and then just really kind of falling. I just kind of fell into this job right here. Now uh, we cover the cheese for Sports Illustrated. Do the best we can with what we got.
0: That's great. And uh, you guys do some fantastic work. Been following along Appreciate that. Uh, the uh, last several months and uh, definitely excited to see what you guys do from here. You mentioned you went to uh, Northwest Missouri State. That's some mm-hmm. championship football that uh, you saw there uh, at uh, Northwest Missouri State the last few years.
1: Yeah, championship football and championship basketball. Can't forget about that basketball team. They are a very salty program, still pretty good. Probably would have won the national championship last year, if, you know, barring no pandemic. Um they look very primed for another run. I thought I think they just tweeted something out what, before the podcast, before we hopped on here. I saw something that they're like 35 and 1 or something insane like that. maybe like 105 and 2 in like their last 107 games which they've been playing out of this world they're such a good basketball team Ben McComb's a great basketball coach up there and you mentioned the football team you know they, that the that freshman year when they won um, the football and basketball championship that was my freshman year at Northwest so oh, wow. um, I got a good introduction to the Northwest culture up there and see how the Bearcats operate with a couple of national championships so yeah it's a Maryville is a small community. It's a small town, but, man, it's tight-knit, and it's basically all centered around that university. That's too
0: cool. Glad you had a great experience and uh, got to see some great teams there. Northwest certainly Mm -hmm. been the standard in uh, D2 in uh, that MIAA. Uh, Tucker, let me ask you, starting out about the Chiefs, this team, they already locked up the uh, number one seed in the AFC, that 14-1 record. What's your – uh, thoughts of just where this team's at right now I know that they haven't necessarily played their best football or maybe what they're capable of of sorts but they're mm-hmm. still winning football games here I mean the I, I'm hearing all these folks all the overreactions the concerns and such I'm like we, we haven't seen them at their best and I feel yeah. like they're holding something back here there's there's no reason to worry what say you as far as what you think of this team right now
1: it seems like there's two camps, right? If you get on Twitter, you seem like you're in the camp of, okay, the Chiefs are 14-1, there's nothing to worry about, or you're in the camp of the Chiefs aren't playing very good football right now, and that's something to worry about. And I'm somewhere in between because the Chiefs haven't played very well in the last seven games. They won those seven games by one score. The Chiefs have done a good job of spinning that into, well, we're just good at winning close games. And I think that that's a fair and valid argument. I don't think that that's anything that, that, against the Chiefs. But they're in these close games that they should be, like the Broncos, uh, the Panthers. They've got, they're beating the teams by one score. The Falcons, yes. They're beating teams by one score that they should be beating by multiple scores. And you would feel more confident in this team going into the playoffs if they did beat these teams by multiple scores. So it's one of those things where the conversation of resting starters is coming to the forefront now in week 17 but do you sit them? Do you want the chiefs to get a little bit more confidence going into uh, the playoffs or do you sit them? For injuries. And uh, that's a question I've been kind of wrestling with this week, especially on the podcast, as we've been talking about, hey, do you you want the Chiefs to kind of get into a rhythm before the playoffs, before they have uh, really three weeks off um, uh, without a game? Or do you just sit them? Do you just let them rest? Because at this point in the season, you know, the NFL is a game of attrition and having three weeks of rest is going to be a a huge benefit for this team. So it's one of those things where I'm kind of on both sides of, yeah, the Chiefs are 14 and one and they're still a good football team because they're winning games, 14 and one. Is an amazing record. This is the first time the Chiefs have ever been doing this in their history, which they have a very rich history. And the first time to be fourteen and one is not something to you know shake your fist at. But they haven't been playing very good football, and that's something to worry about. I think going into this this little postseason stretch here, because if you look at last year's team, they were playing well heading into the postseason. Now it seems like they're kind of on a downturn heading into the postseason, and. I guess last year that didn't really matter because they were down 24 points in the first quarter to their (laughs) opening round team in the playoffs. So uh, we'll see how that goes.
0: Right, right. Well, and that's how I look at it is that this team can uh, flip a switch at any time when they need to kick it up a notch. I've said for all season long, this team is playing at about 75 to 80 percent what they're truly capable of. And I think Mm -hmm. we've still seen it, that Andy Reid hasn't shown everything at this point you mentioned the situation of whether you should sit the starters this week or not the offensive line's been banged up all season long you're hoping to get Mitchell Schwartz back for the playoffs to me that's an easy decision go ahead and let some of those younger guys uh you know get some playing time and you, this week does not matter I, I don't see how that would be a difficult decision now uh, what what do you think Andy Reid's gonna end up doing
1: yeah, I think he's gonna probably end up sitting some of at least the marquee guys. It's gonna it stinks that, you know, Travis Kelsey isn't gonna have the opportunity to lead the league in receiving yards. Oh well, he'll do it again next year. Um, it just seems like that's what Travis Kelsey does. Patrick Mahomes more than likely won't play Andy Read in his Monday press conference, said that there's a good possibility Chad Annie will be in the game at some point. He didn't want to commit to anything on Monday. By the time we hear him later on in the week, I'm sure we'll hear that Patrick Mahomes will more than likely be inactive for this game because you don't want to run the risk of you know him getting hurt because, as you mentioned, the offensive line's been banged up. He's been taking some hits, so the less hits that he can take heading into the playoffs, the better in my opinion. We probably won't see Tyreek Hill. We probably won't see Tyron Matthew, Chris Jones, Frank Clark. All these guys need to rest up. The whole linebacking core is hurt. You know, he had all three of the starters out on Sunday, so you got a bunch of young guys in there at, at linebacker, and I'm with you. I think it's good to get these young guys playing time. Valuable, like, this is NFL game time for these players who a lot of these, uh, most of these rookies, all of these rookies really did not have an offseason, a proper offseason. So what better to get them acclimated to the NFL play than playing in week 17 in a game that really doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things, more like a glorified preseason game.
0: Well, and uh, this opponent, the Chargers, uh, this was a team that went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs, you know, early on, you I believe that Mm -hmm. was week two. Um, You can't you can't substitute game experience uh, to go up against a competitive team. Sure. They haven't had the season that they wanted to, but this would be great for some of those young guys to play against a, uh, a Chargers team that has a coach coaching for his job, a young quarterback still uh, on the verge, figuring himself out here. I mean, this would be a good test for those young guys.
1: The Chargers are playing good football right now. I think they've won three straight games and they've, you know, they beat the, uh, the raiders and and they've they've been playing good football. So this is going to this is a, not a bad football team and this chargers team will be good moving forward and I'm excited for the Herbert Mahomes rivalry. I think that that's going to be so exciting to watch because Herbert's been a very fun quarterback to watch. And and you're right. There are some positions too on this Chiefs team that don't have backups that don't have subs that they're going to have to play the starters with. So that just happens with every team. So it's going to be a good competition for these young guys to go against. As you mentioned, I think that's a great point that the chargers aren't bad. And the chiefs and chargers have always played close. It seems like in the past few years, chargers have given the chiefs fits. So it could be interesting if the chiefs lose this one, it's, it's not that big of a deal, you know, for 15 and one would look a lot cooler than 14 and two. But, hey, you know, it's it, it's not going to gain the Chiefs anything in the playoffs. It's not going to really do anything in the grand scheme of things.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you there. And, uh, you know, of those young guys and such, who do you see this being an opportunity for? Who do you think could really have a uh, a big day of sorts uh, on a uh, on this stage of getting a bigger opportunity here?
1: Yeah, so I just wrote actually something for Arrowhead Report. Funny uh, you mentioned that because uh, I talked about – Three players that I could really see having a big day. Obviously, Chad Henney. I think Chad Henney is going to be playing the whole game. Another one is Tershawn Horton. Uh, We've seen him play in 49% or more of the snaps in the last five games, I believe. So he's been getting some playing time. But with Chris Jones out, more than likely, he's going to be in there the whole game. And he's been playing well in the pass rush. He's got a quick first step. He looks good in the pass rush. His run fits aren't the best. That's the same thing with Chris Jones. I see Tershawn Horton as kind of a mini Chris Jones. So I like how he's developing. This could be another chance for him to really show his skills heading into the postseason. And I really like that. Another guy, not really a young guy, but Byron Pringle. I think Byron Pringle could have a pretty big day uh, on Sunday with if you're thinking about Sammy Watkins, he's got a soft tissue injury in his lower body. Stop stop me if you heard that before. Um, But um, (laughs) then you have Tyree Kill has dealing with the hamstring issue. Uh, those two guys will more than likely be inactive soft tissue injuries. If you rest them, they're going to be fine for the playoffs, especially when you have three weeks like the Chiefs do. So those guys will more than likely rest because to get healthy. And then you got Byron Pringle, McCole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, essentially is that wide receiver core. Byron Pringle could see a huge day. I, I'm not sure who, you know, Henny likes to throw to. We don't see Chad Henny all that often, but um, Byron Pringle is a solid X wide receiver option. And I think that he could have a big day on, on Sunday.
0: Yeah, yeah, get out that Chad Henny Hennessy uh, and join in on <laughs> Sunday. See how that unfolds. Uh, defensively, I have loved what I've seen uh, from uh, Lejarius L- L- sneed this mm. uh, this season. Uh, you know, last week another example of that I'm convinced he's the number one corner on this team. Uh, does a guy like him? Do you end up playing him just to get him that experience to, to keep him going? What What do you make of? What you've seen from uh, from Snead and and uh, what's your expectations kind of for him the rest of the way here?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you listen to the Roughing the Kicker podcast, you know that we love Jerry Snead. We got a need for Snead, and, and at the Roughing the Kicker podcast, so I need one of those uh, shirts, man. Yeah, we got We got him out there. B i t slash r t k shop. You can go get you one. Uh, sorry to plug my merch on your shop. It's just oh, like, yeah, a,
0: please do plug it it's, all. It's, yes.
1: Yeah, it's just a habit at this point, I guess. Joshua Briscoe's taught me well. But um, uh, so Legere, back to LeJerry Sneed. Um, I really like his prototype as a player, his versatility to play in the inside and the outside. It's been about a 50-50 split this year. Um, Craig Stout got me those numbers. Uh, he actually got Jordan Foote those numbers, who wrote an article about LeJerry Sneed. Um, very encouraging to see what we're seeing. Now, the Chiefs have been burnt by cornerbacks before, right, with small sample sizes, Uh But LeJarrius Sneed just feels different because of his versatility. The Duke played safety for most of his college career. Then he comes to the NFL. He plays outside cornerback, hurts his collarbone, comes back, plays inside nickel cornerback. So... I, it's his versatility is so good. He reminds me of Tyron Matthew, honestly, with his play style, his pass rushing ability. PFF graded his pass rush as an 80. So he's a very high level pass rusher from a cornerback position. And really, if Tyron Matthew sits out, maybe you see LeJarius need in that hybrid safety role. He can do it um, because he's shown the ability to play in so many different levels in this Chiefs defense Steve Spagnuolo really likes him which is interesting about Spags because Spags doesn't really like rookies in his defense but he really loves the Jerry Snead and Snead's versatility that he brings to the table and while the sample size is small he was on the injured reserve for quite a quite bit um, I could see him playing on Sunday just because he was on the injured reserve didn't get a full 16 game season and that probably will play into it but if you look at his sample size, I think that he's just too good at too many things for us to be worried about the sample size. I think you should be aware of the sample size, but I don't think it's going to be really a a big factor moving forward.
0: Yeah. I was looking back at all the chiefs history of fourth round draft picks and Mm -hmm. the ceiling for this guy. We're talking about him potentially being one of the best fourth round draft picks. The chiefs have ever made in the history of the franchise, which I know that sounds crazy to say with, just how early on it's been, but it's amazing how productive that they've got this guy that, that no one was talking about, was completely off the radar. I, I'm, I'm amazed what Veach did to, to find this guy in the fourth round like that.
1: And I was talking about on, on actually yesterday's podcast uh, on Tuesday, I was talking to our draft analyst, Jordan Foote, when the, when they drafted him, I said, who is this guy? And he's like, you know, I, I really like this guy. He's good. He's versatile. But I'm like, I don't, I've never heard of who this guy. Is that a Louisiana Tech? I don't watch Louisiana Tech football on a Saturday. Right. And and so I was surprised that they took him. But I think this just this just shows how good Brett Veach is in the drafts in the late rounds. Number one, how good he is with undrafted free agents when you look at Tershawn Horton and how good he is in the scouting department that they, they found both Tershawn Horton and LeJarius Sneed and were able to pick these guys in the later rounds and undrafted in terms of um, Tershawn Horton. So the, the stock for Brett Veach is very high. And if he doesn't win executive of the year, there's something going on on the inside, I think.
0: Yeah, an inside job of sorts. Uh-huh. He doesn't get that done. Um, looking at this uh, this postseason for the Chiefs, you know, it's a different format this year with seven right. teams out of each conference making it in. The Chiefs are going to be the only team in the AFC that has that first round by. Of those potential first matchup opponents, who is the team that maybe you don't want to play the most? I'm leaning towards Baltimore here. What say you as far as? Uh, a, a matchup maybe you don't like or two for that opening round?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Something, honestly, I've been thinking about a lot. Baltimore is one of those teams where, you know, the Chiefs have beat them three times. And you get once you beat a team three times, you get a little weary of them, right? You're like, okay, can we beat them four times? Can we beat them five times? That's something that you you want to raise your eyebrow at. So Baltimore is obviously the team I kind of stray away with. The Colts, I think, are some a team that's kind of scary. We've seen Patrick Mahomes not trust his interior offensive line very well. In the Falcons game, he wasn't really setting his feet on throws interception. He was kind of a fadeaway throw in in the end zone there. But the force Buckner for the Colts is a very good interior offensive defensive lineman, I should say. And he could wreak havoc on this Chiefs offensive line. Um, That scares me. Um, Other one, the Browns. The Browns are another team that I'm just like kind of iffy about because the Chiefs don't really see them very often. And Baker Mayfield, you never know what you're going to get from that guy. You could get a really bad game. You could get a really good game. And depending on what game they play, they could be uh, scary for the Chiefs. But honestly, the really only team that I'm worried about in this AFC playoffs is the Bills. If the Bills play an A-plus game, they're going to beat the Chiefs. If the Chiefs play, probably a B-minus game or a B-plus game. I think that they're the only team to the Chiefs that are a real threat for the AFC championship. Um, and they've been looking good the past couple of weeks. You know, they're on that uptick and the chiefs are kind of on that downslope. So it'll be interesting to see how they react with the, with the two seed. They're more than likely going to get the two seed. It looks like Pittsburgh is going to sit big Ben uh, Mason Rudolph, I believe is the plan starter there. So it yep. doesn't look like they're trying to, uh, get up to that number two seed but it'll be interesting to see and I don't really it, it makes me anxious I guess I would say about make, facing the Bills because you can't look at that game in what was that week six or seven uh, um, against the Bills and say okay well the Chiefs beat them then that's okay the weather was awful the Chiefs ran the ball the whole time which is very unlike the Chiefs uh, Chiefs offense. And Josh Allen played a horrible game. So right. I, I don't I don't know if it can be apples to apples and comparing that game because that team is a completely different than they did in that in that week in that week six game.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. If we're talking a potential matchup between the Chiefs and the Bills come in AFC title game, I don't see any way possible you're having a Chiefs team that runs the ball 40 times for 250 yards again. That's just not gonna happen. That's going to be a completely different ball game. You almost throw out the tape from the first matchup when you're scouting, getting ready for Buffalo, because they're a whole different team here. I'm with you. That Buffalo team with – you look at the way Josh Atlin has played as of late playing at an MVP candidate level. Stefan Diggs Mm -hmm. has looked like one of the best receivers in the league this year. Um, I I like what they're doing, and McDermott uh, looks like one of the better coaches in the league too. I mean, that team is – is pretty dangerous. I, I, I'm with you there when it yeah. comes to the Buffalo, Buffalo, and and the Ravens. To me, you know, I, I know the Ravens haven't had the season they would have liked, but the way that they've played the last few weeks here, those are the two teams that that certainly pick my interest as you know the teams I, I'd want to stay away from anyway.
1: Yeah, the Dolphins are another team. Even though the Chiefs did beat the Dolphins, the Dolphins played well against the Chiefs. And I think that if the Dolphins play well, if, you know, depending on who the quarterback is, I guess, if they feel like uh, Fitzpatrick needs to come in and throw some no look passes, so I guess that they can do it that way. But um, the Dolphins, I think, are, are a good caliber playoff team in the AFC. Now, they do still need to win and get in. That whole AFC situation of all these teams have to win, but for the Colts to get in, they need a, lo- a loss and a win it's interesting playoff scenarios just intrigue me so much i don't know why it's just all the moving parts around them and things that need to happen to get them to get in but yeah i think that baltimore is another one of those teams where as i mentioned before you've already beat them three times so like at at what point are they going to figure out what they're doing now they haven't really figured it out yet but uh, that week three game i don't think is indicative once again of of how baltimore is as a team
0: oh yeah tucker franklin from the Arrowhead Report from Sports Illustrated, Johnny here, the Jobs Report this week. If you get to the Super Bowl and you face one of those NFC teams, uh, who, who is the best matchup of those contenders for the Chiefs? Is it you know, Green Bay, New Orleans? Um, what say you as far as uh, the Chiefs go? Who do they – obviously you just want to get to the Super Bowl anyway, but who right. would you like to face if you're the Chiefs uh, between some of those NFC teams? Who, who matches up best for them?
1: I'd have to think it's the Packers because uh, we saw them play the the Saints and the Saints got a quick defense. The Saints really had Mahomes under wraps for about three quarters, um, and that seems like all that teams can do is take get Mahomes under wraps for three quarters until you know he figures something out and he's like, okay, now it's time to win a game, and now he puts together a fifty-yard touchdown pass to DeMarcus Robinson. But um, the Saints defense kind of scares me just because of how quick they are and they can keep up speed wise with the chiefs. I think that the game on what was that two weeks ago now yeah. um, where they played two high safeties, daring the chiefs to run the ball, but they still ran, throw the ball. It was, it was one of those games that made me very anxious going in. And then during the game, it, my stress levels kept increasing because the Saints defense, I think had something legitimate figured out. Um, but I think that, the Packers' defense obviously isn't as good as the Saints' defense. So, um, just looking at it from that perspective, obviously stopping Aaron Rodgers is going to be hard because that dude's played like the MVP this season, playing at an all an time level, almost better than his 2011 season, which his 2011 season is regarded as one of the best quarterback seasons of all time. And I think that Aaron Rodgers deserves the MVP over Patrick Mahomes just because of how too. he's played and his, how old is he? Like 36. Yeah. Um, he's, Putting up numbers in his age thirty six season when he had an MVP season in twenty eleven, I think that that's also absurd. But um, year that his they longevity drafted,
0: in the year they drafted his replacement too, the way yeah. they answered the call, I, I love it from Eric.
1: Oh, yeah. And I think that that's one thing that hesitate me with the uh, with the Packers is I don't know if the Chiefs defense can stop Aaron Rodgers, but uh, we'll we'll see. I think that the Saints might be the better match. I don't know. I don't know. I go back and forth. See, I'm convincing myself right now between the two of them (laughs) where the I could see the Aaron Rodgers shredding the Chiefs defense. But we've already seen the Chiefs defense stop uh, Drew Brees. So it's one of those things where, okay, you've seen this team before. So are they actually the good matchup? Because now they have tape on you. Where you haven't seen the Packers before. Um, I don't know. It's I think the Packers would probably be the best option there because just thinking from a Mahomes perspective, sure. I think that's a defense that he could really take advantage of.
0: Do you think we're gonna see playoff Sammy Watkins again?
1: I hope so. I hope we see playoff Sammy Watkins again. And if we do see playoff Sammy Watkins again, he might go down as a top five receiver in Chiefs history. Um <laughs> yeah, so if when he's healthy, he's good. And that's the thing that I talked with Seth Kaiser on the podcast a couple weeks ago is that what do you do with Sammy Watkins now? Right. Cause he's now had two injuries this season. He's been, had a very injury prone career. He can be a number one receiver really when he's healthy. He's a good receiver. He does has good production. He, makes this offense better just him being on the field his run blocking is actually very good his stock blocking is is good you see him move players on screens and stuff like that sammy watkins presence demands attention as well in the passing game so you can't just forget about sammy watkins or he's gonna burn you we saw him hurdle a player i can't remember what game that was in the dolphins game i believe um so he's he's got the athletic ability it's still there I'd really like to see Sammy Watkins come back because I don't think his price tag is going to be as high as, you know, the market value for him would be. I looked at spot track a couple weeks ago. It said it's going to be 9 million, but I can't imagine that Sammy Watkins comes back for 9 million. He really enjoys Kansas city. He enjoys where he's at. So I would like to see the chiefs bring back Sammy Watkins. You know, it's going to be a reduced cap. So he's probably gonna to have to take a major pay cut this year again and then I'd like to see the Chiefs draft a wide receiver in the top 100 picks. I think that that would be a very interesting uh, tool. As, as my buddy Jordan Foote said, you got to give Mahomes a new toy to play with every year. And I think that that's a great way to do it is, is via the draft because there's a lot of good receivers in the draft.
0: Yeah, I, I would look at, you know, if you're talking top 100, second round, and you get a guy maybe like Tylon Wallace from Oklahoma State. I was watching yep. him the other night at the hit Bowl. Just fantastic. Catch everything. Receiver, big deep threat, maybe something like that be available uh mm-hmm. if that happens now we know where to mark the tape uh feedback <laughs> <we'll be laughs> going forward um but uh but tucker that's uh that that's interesting to think about if you know the rich getting richer with a mahomes mm-hmm. for some more talent there as far as that goes defensive line um you know has been a very interesting case study this year for the chiefs much better performance against atlanta they look good against miami what are we going to see from this defensive line come playoff time, you think?
1: It's a mixed bag, hasn't it? It's just been, you don't know which defensive line you're going to get. And I think it's really because that second D in spot hasn't really been too extremely consistent. Tenno Passanio hasn't really been able to get after the quarterback all that much. Mike Dana's come came back from injury and he's kind of getting some more reps in there. Um, So we're seeing him a little bit more but I think the chiefs really do need another edge rusher in terms of the drafts. If we're talking about that, that's probably a need that a lot of people don't like to focus on or, or have been talking about, not necessarily that they don't like to talk about it. But um, I think it's one of those situations where you're going to need another edge rusher because you can't just, you know, take Chris or Frank Clark out of it. Frank Clark has been playing well. He had like zero pressures in like four games in the middle of the seasons, which was not a great uh, stretch for him. A lot of people were ready to crucify him. Um, but now Frank Clark has played well. He's gotten some sacks. I think that we're seeing, going to see his good true form into the playoffs here. And it seems like really with this chief team as a whole, when the lights are on, it seems like they're on. I don't like the whole comparison of, oh, they played down to their opponents, mm-hmm because they're NFL players. It's an NFL game. They're going to be good. Uh, They're going to play, but, I think that there is some proof to when the stakes are high, the chiefs are going to play good Uh, because it seems like every time this year, when it's been a high intensity game, a high stakes game, the chiefs have gotten it done. whether it's against the uh, Ravens on Monday night football, against the bills, against the saints, against the bucks, you know, I went into the season, Hey, if they split the saints and the bucks, this is going to be a good year and they beat them both. So, I mean, uh, I think that when the lights will be on, the Chiefs will, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, they, just, they have this ability to flip a switch, and I think we'll see that kind of coming into this playoffs here, and really from this defensive line, too.
0: Yeah, it'll be great to see those guys uh, step up, in particular Frank Clark, like uh, you mentioned there. A couple more before we let you go here, Tucker. Uh, in, in the secondary, we mentioned uh, Legarius. how much he stepped up and such, but I got to say, I need to see less Dan Sorensen. This guy makes so many mistakes every week. Please, less Dan Sorensen, more Juan Thornhill. Do you think we could see more, more of that, more Juan Thornhill down the stretch and less Dan Sorensen? What, what is Fags going to do when it comes to that, uh, the, the safety spots uh, here these next few weeks?
1: Yeah. I'm with you there. Um, I'd love to see a little bit more Juan Thornhill. His ball hawking ability is really good. He should have had an interception in that Miami dolphins game. That's just a weird scenario there where the ball went through his hands and then through like Tyron Matthews hands too, for a touchdown. That doesn't happen. If you do that play 10 times, that that happens one time out of 10, but Juan Thornhill athletically is, is a superior athlete to Dan Sorensen. No offense to Dan Sorensen, but Juan Thornhill is a, is a very good athlete. Um, he's having some issues with his ACL. I think he's, it's a little confidence wise. Um, and it takes a guy some time to get confidence back on a torn ACL. I think sometimes that he doesn't feel as fast as he used to be. And I think that Spags is aware of that. I think Spags is kind of um, easing him back in. I know it's hard to say in week uh, 17, that he's still easing back in, especially when he played a hundred percent of the snaps early on in the season. But I think he, he's getting eased back in and that's why you're seeing so much of Dan Sorensen, but uh need kind of negates the three safety look right. Um, with his ability and his versatility, you don't get to see Juan Thornhill out there as much. You see more Dan Sorensen. But I'm with you. I, I wish I could see some more Juan Thornhill. That's probably something that's going to be a lot more last year. But as you mentioned with playoffs, Sammy Watkins, there's playoff Dan, Dan Sorensen too. Dirty Dan in the playoffs is an unrivaled force. So I think that um, Dan Sorensen is a very interesting commodity. I was arguing with uh, people on Twitter. There's a there's a good faction of Dirty Dan fans out there that really think that he is the best player on the defense that think that he is a pro bowler. And I think the comment I said was, if you think Dan Sorensen is a pro bowler, only God can help you. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> he's not a top 88 player in the league. He's not a top 100 player in the league. He's not a top 200 player in the league. So I don't, I don't think, I don't see what people are saying. I know he's got 91 tackles, but um, pro bowl voting is not based on how many tackles you have. Um, and I would need to look up his missed tackle percentage. Cause I feel like it's up there.
0: It, it feels like, and this is not factual, just a feeling of sorts <laughs> that for every, Every good play, there's about five bad plays from Dan Sorens. Yeah. So
1: I would yeah, uh, group them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, please, Juan, we we need to see you out there. No, no, <laughs> no more Dan Sorens, please. Uh, Tucker, before we let you go here, tell us where people can see all your great work. You got the uh, the stuff with the uh, Arrowhead Report, the podcast, mm-hmm. got some merchandise and such too. Where can people see all that great uh, things you got going on, man?
1: Yeah. So everything I write is up on arrowhead That's sports Illustrated's uh, affiliate site for the chiefs. So we recently rebooted that up in April and we got a pretty good uh, head of steam going, I guess now headed into the playoffs. We've hit in our full stride. So you can find that at arrowhead The podcast I do is a daily Kansas city chiefs podcast. It's up on smarturl.it URL. backslash roughing. And you can just find it wherever you find your podcast, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, I guarantee you, you can find uh, our podcast. Just search roughing the kicker, uh, I do a daily episodes with a bunch of guys over at Arrowhead Report. We talk about the Chiefs, uh, just try to really focus in on one topic each day and see how much we can talk about one thing. A lot of overreacting. When you do a daily show, you have to overreact a lot. But um, as you mentioned, the merch... Got a lot of merch out there. We just dropped a new Travis Kelsey design. Um, don't know if you've seen it out on Twitter. Uh, at my Twitter's at Tucker D. Franklin, you can go follow me on there. I tweet a lot about the Chiefs. If you like the Chiefs, uh, then that's a follow-up for you. But Travis Kelsey design, it's a Zeus design, kind of spiking a thunderbolt to celebrate his, uh, you know, breaking the record, his historic season. Dude's having an insane season. He might be one of the best tight ends ever to do it um, when it goes down because he's 31 years old and still doing it the way that he's doing it but we also have our need for sneed we've got uh throw the damn ball is one of our shirts because you know we don't like it when you take the ball to patrick mahomes hands on second down so uh we got that one and then we also have our just logo big t so you can find that at bit.ly slash rtk shop find all of our designs there the need for sneed one that one's getting pretty popular right now
0: Tucker, that's uh, fantastic. It flew by this conversation. We, mm-hmm. There was things we could have covered that we just didn't get to. Ran out of time. So Tucker, we'll have to have you back on again. Thanks for joining okay. us, man. Uh, welcome back. You'll you'll be welcome to come back on anytime, and uh, look forward to chatting in the future. Thanks for joining us, man.
1: Yeah, always a pleasure, Tyler. Thanks for having me.
0: Time for this week's edition of the O'Connor advisory group, pigskin Pick'em, where we pick five college and five NFL games against the spread fresh off the Christmas holiday and a birthday celebration. He is another year older. It is our friend Brian O'Connor from O'Connor advisory group who joins us right now. Coach Bo hope you had a good Christmas and a good birthday, man. What's happening.
2: Yeah. It's low key Christmas, you know, just kind of me and the wife and the kiddo at home and, uh, Yeah, make sure they were both happy. Everybody got what they wanted from Santa Claus. So, uh, you know, keep mama happy. Make sure the kiddo gets what he needs and all good. So everybody stays safe and healthy. So, yeah, we're doing all right over here.
0: That's good. That's good to hear, Bo. Uh, We got a great slate of games this week. And as we're recording this, we still have some other games finishing up. But – uh, the standings, uh, just to give an, a general idea of some sorts. Bo, you had a good week, just three losses last week. Uh, Thomas ended up with five losses. I had six losses. So you gain some ground. You're getting ever so closer uh, to uh, catching up with us as we're getting down to the final stretch here as the college football season is uh, coming to a close. And uh, after this week, we'll be just picking NFL games from this point going forward. So here is what the slate looks like. We have the college football playoff semifinals, the Sugar Bowl. Number three, Ohio State, taking on number two, Clemson. That game in New Orleans, Clemson a a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. The Rose Bowl, number four, Notre Dame, taking on number one, Alabama. That game in Arlington, Alabama, a a 19-and-a-half-point favorite. The Peach Bowl, number nine, Georgia, taking on number eight, Cincinnati. That game in Atlanta, Georgia a seven-point favorite. The Orange Bowl, number five, Texas A&M, taking on number 13, North Carolina. That game in Miami, Texas A&M, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. The Fiesta Bowl, number 25, Oregon, the Pac-12 champions, taking on number 10, Iowa State. That game in Glendale, Arizona, Iowa State, a four-point favorite. In the National Football League, Cardinals taking on the Rams. That game's a pick'em. Kyler Murray coming off injury. Jared Goff going to be out for the Rams in that one. The Dolphins taking on the Bills. The Bills are a one-point favorite. Still unknown what it looks like as far as what players they're going to play or not. The Dolphins need to win that game to get into the postseason. Steelers taking on the Browns. No Big Ben, as well as some other players for the Steelers. Browns, they need the win, and they're in the postseason. Mason Rudolph gets the start going up against uh, Miles Garrett. That sounds interesting. Cleveland a 10-point favorite. The Washington football team. Taking on the Eagles. They need to win this game to get in the postseason. They're a a one-and-a-half-point favorite in Philly. It looks like Alex Smith is back from injury, should be ready to go. Packers taking on the Bears. Packers uh, fighting for that number one seed in the NFC. The Bears, they need to win to get in the playoffs. The Packers are a a five-and-a-half-point favorite at uh, Chicago. So let's go ahead and get started with the college games, Bo, with the Sugar Bowl. Ohio State, Clemson. Clemson is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Bo, I'm looking at these playoff games, and I'm not trying to spoil my next pick, but I don't think either one of these games are going to be close. I think Alabama and Clemson both are just on another level compared to everybody else in college football right now. Ohio State has not impressed me one bit. I don't know what this eye test that they've passed, according to the so-called experts, because I just don't see it. You beat – on athletic Northwestern and Indiana teams by a touchdown. No thanks. I like Clemson to cover that seven and a half and win pretty ugly. What say you?
2: Okay. So this is the tough one for me. Um, I understand, and I was not a person who thought Ohio State should have been in the college football playoff. I won a huge rant last week about it, like each of the last two weeks. I have not denied that, again, if you watch the teams play, Ohio State's worthy. They're a good football team. They're well-coached. They've got a lot of great players. We know who Clemson is. Clemson's only loss is to Notre Dame without Trevor Lawrence, without their best linebacker. I, I see this game can go seven and a half scares me a little. I think this game's competitive. I don't think Clemson blows Ohio state out. If this were six and a half, I would take Clemson, but seven and a half the hook. I'm going to take Ohio state plus the seven and a half. Ooh. Um, I'm kind of tease a little bit on the next pick, but I don't think it matters who wins this game. Cause I think they're going to be just meat thrown to the wolves the week after. But, um, I'm going to take Ohio State and the points, and I I can see it going either way. I think it's just closer than seven and a half.
0: Okay, so you go the Ohio State, I'll take Clemson, so we disagree there. Nice way to start the uh, pick them here. The Rose Bowl, number four Notre Dame, taking on number one Alabama. This game was originally going to be played in Pasadena, but instead will be played in Arlington, Texas, due to the Uh, limit on fans in Pasadena. So there will be 15,000 fans uh, at AT AT&T Stadium for this game. Alabama, a 19-and-a-half point favorite. Bo, you know, 19-and-a-half, if I would have seen more from Notre Dame against Clemson, they would have made it more of a competitive game, a one-touchdown game, and you gave me 19-and-a-half, then I'd say, you know what, maybe I do lean towards Notre Dame. But the fact that they showed just no life whatsoever against Clemson, to me, this is easy. Uh, You can make this 23, 24, 25. I don't care. I would still take Alabama here. Give me the tide to cover 19 and a half. What say you?
2: Okay, so um, I am not someone who normally likes to say this team played bad last week, so they're going to play bad again this week. But Notre Dame showed no life in that game against Clemson. There was no effort. I have been an admirer of Brian Kelly for a long time. While I'm not a Notre Dame fan, I've always liked him. I thought he was the perfect pick for that team when they brought him in as a coach. I really like Brian Kelly. That was not a Brian Kelly team against Clemson. I don't know what happened that day, but I'm going to tell you right now. Alabama is the best college football team out there this season, They've just played a level above everybody else. Frankly, I think Alabama could beat three teams in the NFL right now. I'll take Alabama. I will lay 19 and a half. I would lay 21. I would consider laying 24. I don't think this game is going to be close. And spoiler alert, it ain't going to be close in the championship game when Alabama just whacks either Ohio State or Clemson.
0: All right. So we both like the uh, time to roll there in the uh, Rose Bowl. The Peach Bowl, number nine, Georgia, taking on number eight, Cincinnati. This game in Atlanta. Bo, you were at this game last year when it was a college football playoff semifinal. Uh, I was. Yes, and LSU had a very nice day that uh, that evening. Uh, Georgia, seven-point favorite here. Bo, what do you think about this matchup? Uh, biggest game in school history for uh, Cincinnati here.
2: Okay, so Cincinnati was the team that I would have made the fourth team. Um, Cincinnati would have been one of the top four for me. I, I just they've been undefeated. They've looked great in the games I've seen them play. Their biggest argument here is they haven't played that top-tier talent. Here's your chance. You get UGA, you get a play Georgia, but you gotta play them in Atlanta. This is gonna be tough. That place. Atlanta, it's got a special thing for the Dogs, but I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to take Cincinnati plus the seven. I just got this feeling that I think that's a really good team. I've been impressed with them all season. They've done a hell of a job. I'm taking the Bearcats. I'll take the seven. Um, Kind of goes against my intuition a little bit to not take an SEC team, basically playing at home, but uh, I like Cincy here. I don't think it'll be as big a home-field advantage as it normally would be. That place would be rocking with Georgia people. It won't be as many of them this time. Give me Cincy. All
0: right. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Georgia here. I'll disagree with you, Bo. Um, you know, Georgia in Atlanta against a uh, you know Cincinnati team that didn't impress me that much when they beat Tulsa. Uh, in the uh, conference championship just a couple weeks ago. I thought Tulsa should have won that game. And, uh, you know, Georgia's gotten a lot better down the stretch. They've, their quarterback play has improved. Um, give me Georgia in the points at seven to take care of business. The Orange Bowl, number five, Texas A&M, taking out number three, North Carolina, this game in Miami. A&M, a seven and a 75 point favorite. Bo, what do you think about the uh, Aggies going up against UNC in what appears to be the biggest game in program history for uh, Mac Brown and the Tar Heels.
2: Okay, so I like a and I like AM. I like a m like by a lot. Um, seven and a half seems about right. I can see it going to 10. I think a and is going to win this game, and I think it's got better horses on their sideline. I think Jimbo Fisher is going to want to make a statement. I think they felt like they should have been the last team instead of Notre Dame in that top four, there's certainly an argument for it. Um, personally, I probably would, after Notre Dame's performance, I probably wouldn't have put him in the top four and certainly would hear the argument that AM should have been in the college football playoff. I think they're going to make a statement here. I think mean, they're going to just totally whack North Carolina.
0: You know, I've also heard from the, uh, the experts that in these type of situations, this is when the SEC team doesn't want to be here either. Um, in this case, you know, North Carolina, Bo has played everybody close all season, every team, whether it was Clemson or Notre Dame or whoever, they have played competitive football. Mac Brown's did a heck of a job. They have a future NFL quarterback at Sam Howell. Um, Texas A&M, you know, you, you look at what was the big knock on them was, well, who did they, who were their quality wins other than Florida? There really wasn't that much there. I don't think we know a lot about Texas A&M other than they got blown out by Alabama week one and had a nice win against Florida. I think that Texas A&M wins, but I think North Carolina can keep it within seven and a half and make it a competitive ball game. Give me the uh, Tar Heels to cover and uh, make it a a good game there. The Fiesta Bowl, number 25 Oregon taking on number 10 Iowa State this game in Glendale. Another game where the biggest game in school history, this time for Iowa State, after they came up just short the Big 12 title game against OU. Bo, I think that Iowa State. I know that they've disappointed in some bowl games in years past and such, but this Oregon team is a mixed bag. That you know they lost to uh, you know, Oregon State, and they lost to you know, they 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 lost to teams that they shouldn't have lost to. Um, they barely got by USC. Oregon's a fraud. Iowa State has been uh, a pretty solid team all year long. I like their talent with their big three with Brees Hall, uh, you know, with Kolar and uh, and Brock Purdy. His final game as a Cyclone. I think they all go out on a good note. Give me Iowa State in the points. What say you?
2: Okay, so I think that Iowa State's been the one is a little bit Jekyll and Hyde. Um, Oregon has the two losses. They lost. To Cal and to Oregon State, was that Oregon State? State. Yeah. Um, and we really don't know a lot about Oregon. And then they beat USC this past week. Who I thought USC was going to win that game. I've been on USC. I was, I was on onward Troy with USC. Very shocked. I thought Oregon played well in that game. Um, USC kind of came back late, made it a little bit made it look a little better than it actually was for them. Um, I really don't have a good feel for this. When I look at at Iowa State, they lost to Louisiana. That was week one. And we come to find out, Louisiana's a pretty good team. You lose at Oklahoma State, and you lose to OU. Yep, a good team. And you lose to OU. Good
0: team.
2: Good team. It takes a good team to beat them. Um, I'm going to also roll with Iowa State here because I don't know if Oregon's good enough a team to beat iowa state and i'm not gonna pick uh, i'm not gonna try to play that four-point window here i don't think that's enough points to me to swing it over to think well there's some things you can cover up it's just not, an, not enough points uh so i'm gonna take iowa state here all right
0: let's move on to the national football league the cardinals taking on the rams this game's a pick them uh there will be no jared goff for the rams he's out with an injury Kyler Murray is playing banged up himself, but it sounds like he's still going to be able to give it a go. The Rams are playing for seeding in the wild card. Uh, Actually just to, uh, you know, as well as the Cardinals are playing to make the postseason at this point here, Bo, uh, to me, I look at it. The Rams have been a different team the last four or five weeks. They have hit a wall there on the downward spiral. Cardinals aren't playing their best football, but they're playing a heck of a lot better than the Rams. And no, Jared Goff. Give me, uh, give me Arizona to, to uh, win this game. Uh, in a, in this pick, let What say you?
2: I also like Arizona. Um, I week seventeen is very much a crapshoot, and then when you throw in the Rams not having a quarterback. They're going to go to the play the backup. I like the Rams defense, and I think this is a really close game. Uh, obviously, to pick. I'm going to take the Cardinals. I think that Kyler Murray makes a big play at the end of the game, late in the fourth quarter, last you know five six minutes, that gives the Rams the difference. That gives the Cardinals the difference. For the Rams to win this game, their defense is going to have to play inspired football. They're capable of that, but we just don't know if they had a little better run game. You can get away with not having Jared Goff for one game. That run game isn't great. Don't have a bell cow to hand that ball to 25 times. I I like the idea of it being close, getting to the end, Kyler Murray making a play. I'm going to go ahead and take the uh, the Cardinals here.
0: All right, the uh, Dolphins taking on the Bills. Bills are a one-point favorite. The Dolphins need the win to get in the postseason. The Bills, they're still fighting for that number two seed But it's worth noting with the Steelers sitting out Ben Roethlisberger, does that mean that the Bills take it off the gas a bit to be in position to get that two seed? We don't know what the Bills are going to do quite just yet. Um, Bo, what do you think about this one? This one feels kind of eerie, a great unknown of some sorts. Nonetheless, both teams are playing really good football right now.
2: Yeah, so um, I think the big – Thing is, so you got the Steelers are going to have to do a big bad. Buffalo, correct. Buffalo have to win in order to keep the two seed.
0: Um, they, they have no? to. If the Steelers also lose, then they keep it. Uh, if they win, okay. if they lose, and the Steelers win, then they fall to the three.
2: I don't think that Buffalo is going to try to take their foot off the gas. Um. I think that Buffalo's going to go ahead and play their team. I think they're going to come out with Josh Allen. I think low-key also, I think Buffalo wants Josh Allen to have a big game. He had a big game this past week, and the letters MVP get raised a little bit. And if they make a run here, I mean, they're going to, he's got a chance of really doing something. Um, I think that, you know, I think it's a three-dog race for the MVP now. I think that Josh Allen has a chance here with a big game uh, to maybe pass Mahomes and Rodgers, to have a shot at that. I expect Buffalo to not take their foot off the gas, play, play their starters, go out there and win, beat Miami, a division opponent. You don't want to see a division opponent in a playoff. So I think that you'll see – I like Buffalo and uh, – he I mean, says one, is that right?
0: Uh, yeah, describe? just one.
2: Yeah, so I'll say Buffalo.
0: Okay. Um, you know what? To me, with this being this eerie game and not knowing what Buffalo is going to do, this means a whole lot more to the Dolphins. They're desperate, and they've shown they're willing to pull their quarterback if they need to, to win. Although I disagree with the decision, Brian Flores has been very committed to trying to do everything he can to win these football games and and play desperate. Um, I'll go with the the uh, Dolphins to uh, cover as a one-point underdog in uh, this game. Steelers taking on the Browns. The Browns are a 10-point favorite. Mason Rudolph will get the start for the Pittsburgh Steelers at quarterback. Sounds like T.J. Watt probably not going to play and maybe a couple other Steelers not going to play in this game. Uh, the Browns need this win to get in the postseason, and uh, it will be the first time since – uh, that incident last year that uh, Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett will be on the field together at the same time. Bo, I think the Browns win and they get in the postseason. but I think we're going to see some inspired football from Mason Rudolph. The Steelers have some depth. He ha- might even play better than big Ben because how much Ben's been struggling as of late. I think 10 points is too many for Cleveland. Give me the Steelers to make this a competitive game. Cleveland wins but Pittsburgh keeps it within 10. What say you?
2: Okay, so we got Cleveland played a horrible last week. They had so many guys out with the COVID uh, stuff for the receivers. I mean, they just bludgeon them, and they lose to the Chips. Horrible, horrible, horrible play. Um, I take it a 10-point scares me. Um, I think the Browns are going to win the game. I just don't know if I feel real comfortable laying 10 points, even with the Steelers possibly sitting out a number of players. We just don't know till game time. Um, what I will say is if you are playing our picks and you are putting money on them, do not bet on this game. Do not touch this game with a 10 foot pole. Don't bet the money line. Do not bet this game. I have no clue. I'm taking Cleveland because I'm trying to catch you in the picks, and that's it.
0: <laughs> I like it. A um, couple more. The, uh, the football team, the Washington football team, taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Some TV executive thought this was a good idea to put this on Sunday night football. Uh, it is the uh, only game that can turn into an outright clinch or outright fallout for somebody. If Washington wins, they're in. If they lose, they're out. Simple as that. Philadelphia, got nothing really to play for, but they do have a young quarterback in Jalen Hurts that certainly needs the uh, snaps and the uh, game time. The game is in Philly. Washington, a a one-and-a-half point favorite. Bo, who are you going with here?
2: Okay, so I think the better line here, the better thought, is that this this is a game where really we've got a coach that could be playing for his job or coaching for his job, the Eagles are not happy where they're at. Now they've got Jalen Hurts, a quarterback. What does this mean for Doug Peterson? They've very much underperformed this season. They've been just putrid, to be perfectly frank. Um, they need to put a little bit of a good taste in the Eagles fans and in the management's mouth before the end of this season, or it could be a whole lot of changes going on here. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that Doug Peterson's gone, but if they go out there, if the Eagles go out there and lay a total egg in this game, it could happen. Keep that in mind. Um, Washington now is dealing with this Dwayne Haskins situation. They've cut him this week after last week's performance. Alex Smith – is Alex Smith starting the quarterback? Did I hear that correctly this morning?
0: Yes, Alex Smith is back from injury, and they've been a different team when Alex Smith's been under center. Uh, you Day back to when he joined this team, you know, what, two, three years ago, uh, they have been a different football team. They've won a lot of football games when he's been under center.
2: 2015 Coach Bow would slap 2020 Coach Bow right in the face for saying this. If Alex Smith's going to start this game for Washington – They're going to win this game. Um, I'm going to take Washington and the football team here. This is going to be super close. One and a half. I don't think it's a one-point game. So I'll go ahead and take Washington, lay the one and a half. But the undertones of what could be here is this Carson Wentz's last game as an Eagle. That could be a possibility. What is Jalen Hurts going to look like? Could we see Jalen Hurts pull off something at the end of the game? To, to, in a way, save Doug Peterson's job and to to send Washington, the division rival, home and kick them out of the playoffs and play the spoiler. Um, again, I'm hedging my bet a little bit here. If Alex Smith's playing, I think he's just going to keep the ship right. He'll keep them on the train on the tracks, and they'll get there. I like Washington's defense a lot and um, was real impressed with uh, Chase Young last week and how he really has become the leader of that team. Some of the things he was doing on the sidelines, the younger young quarterback they were bringing in for Haskins. um, You can see some things coming out. You can see some changes in that team uh, and some of that personality. i like them to take a step forward. I do think they're going to make the playoffs, win the division here. Um, They're going to get their ass kicked in the first round of the playoff, especially if they get Tampa week one. But um, I'm going to go take Washington here.
0: All right. Uh, I got to go with uh, the football team here as well um, for a lot of the same reasons you mentioned of, of the way Alex Smith has played, uh, you know, there for Washington with Philadelphia, They're concerned. I know, Bo, you like to remind me from time to time. This is a week to week league, um, but I can't get out of my head losing that bad what Philly did to Dallas to Dallas last week. That made no sense. Um, give me Washington and the points at one and a half to take care of business on the road. Last one, the Packers and the bears, the bears need this one to make the postseason. The Packers, uh, they're playing for a home field advantage in the NFC. And, uh, Aaron Rodgers has been the greatest quarterback to ever play at soldier field. (laughs) I mean, he's just been phenomenal there. He's been just as good there as he's been at Lambeau. Um, they have something to play for, and besides just beating their rival here, Rodgers five and a half. I'm hardly ever going to pick against Aaron Rodgers. Give me Aaron Rodgers five and a half. Take care of business in Soldier Field. I know Mitch has been playing better, and he's playing to keep his job and make the playoffs and all that. But uh, this is when all good things come to an end. Uh, you're facing Aaron Rodgers uh, at his second home. I'll take the Packers here, Bo. Who you got?
2: Um. I like the Packers as well, mostly for the same reason of Aaron Rodgers. I don't pick against Aaron Rodgers. Um, they're really good. I, The Saints fan in me is scared to death to play that team in the playoffs. Uh, literally, as a Saints fan, we haven't been playing great. There's literally no team in the NFC I'm scared of except for the Green Bay Packers. I Either the best team in the NFC, I think they're probably the third or fourth best team overall, and, but I think they have the best quarterback. Yes, he's the best quarterback. He's better than Mahomes. I'll take Rodgers. I'll lay five and a half.
0: All right. There you have it. That is this week's O'Counter Advisory Group Pigskin. Pick them, follow along with our picks all season long. Before we go, Bo, where can people uh, follow you and uh, connect with you? Uh, no better way to start out 2021 than uh, hooking up with O'Counter Advisory Group.
2: Hey, absolutely. Hey, check us out. O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com. Hey, check out our Facebook page, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com or O'Connor Advisory Group on Facebook. Starting next week, this will be starting on, let me get the date here, next Tuesday. We will start on Tuesday evenings. The 5th, for a few weeks, we're going to do a Zoom call. That's we want anybody and everybody wants to come in. 2021's here, and you're thinking about, hey, it's the new year, the new me. You're trying to get your finances right. Join us on our Zoom call. The link will be on our Facebook page. And we're going to talk about just different financial subjects. Uh, week one, we're going to talk about budgeting. Just something simple like how to have a budget and how important it is. These are free. They're a great way to get to know people. what we're trying to do. I'm going to be doing it myself for you guys, and it's going to be like a a 10-minute talk. And then after that, I will stay on and answer questions for as long as people want to talk to me. So check us out. You'll see that weekly um, on our Facebook page. We'll have the link. Join us on Zoom for that. It'll be a lot of fun. It should be informative. Let's all have a great 2021 together. Let us partner up with you, help you get your money right. And let's try to help everybody out here.
0: That's awesome. OAGKS.com is the website. O'Connor Group.com as well. Well, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks for joining
2: us. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Tyler. Hey, be safe traveling and uh, we will uh, see you next week.
0: There you have it. Brian O'Connor, O'Connor Advisor Group, joining us here on the Jones Report this week. Tyler Jones back here with you now. And uh, we're going to get out of here a little bit early this week. Um, And with the Christmas holiday and New Year's Eve holiday, just got a lot of stuff going on here. I'm actually preparing to move to Omaha. Normally, we end the show with our Tom Fuller story of the week. And. I want to do something different since Tom's not here this week. I-, I want to take a different spin on Tom Fullery, and the year that is 2020 has been very much Tom Fullery uh, as a whole. And you know, just a little bit of background myself, you know, it's been a very uh, fascinating year. 2020 has been currently right now. Actually, I'm in isolation, believe it or not, to end 2020. Uh, my parents and my sister got COVID, and uh, I was in contact with them over the Christmas holidays, so I am isolating myself, and uh, I will be clear of isolation just in time to move up to Omaha and uh, start my new job with great television, and, uh, and so a very fitting in to 2020. I tested negative, don't have COVID myself, thankfully. Uh, but certainly thinking of my loved ones and hoping that they get better. And it looks like that they're on track to do so. So that's very good news as far as that goes. But, you know, looking back at this year, just for me, what, what I went through, you know, we we had, and my previous employer now, which still sounds weird to say, at Great Plains Media and KLWN, it was a trying time. I will be completely honest with you. Uh, our ad sales were really struggling and even us in programming, were fighting for every dollar we could get. You know, part of my income when I worked radio was that we would work remotes and, you know, endorsements and represent advertisers and such beyond just what we made salary-wise. So all of a sudden, a third of our income's gone because we could not do remotes and advertisers were backing out. Just, they weren't open. It wasn't their fault. Um, the lockdown shut them out of business and such. And so, you know, that was a trying and difficult time. And, you know, we had some cuts at the station. And it was it was horrible. It was so sad. And the uh, people I knew and such that were going through some hard times, I, I just felt terrible for them. You know, things weren't easy for me, but there was a lot of people in a lot worse shape than I was. I was going to be fine. I was going to get through that. And uh, so, you know, this is not a woe is me at all. Not don't take that anyway. Just trying to speak from real life experience. Uh, things were, you know, they were difficult. Um, but fortunately, you know, still had my family, stayed in touch with them, and you know, got to see them from time to time. And Uh, you know, I, I just learned a lot from this. I think that I became tougher throughout this stretch knowing, Hey, you know, if I can go through this, if I can live through this, what can I not handle? I can handle anything. And so that was something that, you know, was just a learning experience of sorts. And, uh, now making this change, making this move to Omaha and you're working for great television I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't nervous about it. This is the biggest change I've been through in my entire life, other than going to college, pretty much. And you know, I- I'm certainly excited about this job and to see what happens and and, and about this. But you know, finding the process, going through the process of finding somewhere to live and. Uh, you know, you're prepared to move one day and then all of a sudden you got to isolate. And so now you got to regroup and re-game plan how you're going to move and such. All these different just changes, these nuances of sorts, um, you know, makes it certainly a challenge, but you get through it. And, you know, as we end this 2020, and I know that a lot of people are very excited just to move on from 2020 and, you know, turn the next page, turn the chapter to 2021. What I would tell you is that changing the date does not escape your problems. And people listening at home may hear those words and say, wow, Tyler, you're just being negative right out of the gates and such. No, 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 not at all. That's not the case. What I mean by that is that there will still be challenging times ahead, but you got to keep fighting. You got to keep pushing through. I believe in you. I believe that you can fight this and face these challenges head on. Um, Whether you've actually gotten COVID or not, this disease has affected all of us in one way, shape, or another. None of us have, have not been impacted by COVID in some way. But we've learned to face this challenge head on and fight it. Wear a mask, social distance, do those things, obviously. But the challenge that is that may be, you know, a family member fighting for their life that you have to be there and support, maybe just holding on to your job, holding on to your business, whatever it may be, you can do it. Keep up the fight. And so that's my message as we end 2020 and look forward to 2021 is don't hide from the challenge. Uh, you know, this is not a time to, uh, go run off and not face your fears. This is a time to take them head on and say, I can do this. Um, if no one tells you this, I believe in you and I love you. And I think that you can handle this head on that. You can go through, uh, 2020 and, and find that, you know, go to 2021 and find that true calling who you were meant to be what you want to do that you can get through this you know the the thing that always i try to look for and in bad situations is to find a positive find something good out of that and you know without this pandemic and again it's not an endorsement for the pandemic what any by any means not at all. Far from it, actually. Um, you know, uh, finding good of, out of a bad situation. I gotta tell you, about the pandemic, I don't know if I'm doing a podcast with NASCAR driver David Starr or to do what we've done with this show or even getting the job that uh, I'm about to start now. You know, I was I was pretty content. I was happy with the job I had. But there was something better. There's something better there for me. And it took some, you know, uh, time to actually sit back and think, you know, what, what, what is there? What do I need to look for to catch my attention of sorts? And so that's what I'd say is don't settle, folks. Keep the fight. You can do this. I believe in you. And there are better days ahead. Don't give up. Um... Keep fighting the fight, folks. So that's what I look at. That's going to be my message to end the year. That's what I'm telling myself is keep on with the keep on with these challenges that may present themselves, the uncertainty and such. Go after it. Keep up the good fight. I believe in you. I love you. And there are better days ahead. Let's keep this going. So uh, that's my final words for 2020. Last show. In uh, Lawrence, Kansas. This place has been a special place. We've had a lot of fun doing this show here. Cal WN was an incredible place to work over the last six plus years. And uh, now we move on to this next journey, this next chapter in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, This this show will continue. We've made that point. Uh, It's going to be great to carry on with this show that I've done since I was 15 years old. And the guests that we've had on, I know Thomas has been very busy and we'll have him back, uh, you know, back on a normal schedule here pretty soon. Um, but, you know, Thomas, is stick around, Coach Bo, all our cast characters, come with us. Come enjoy the ride. Come enjoy the journey because we have some great stuff coming up with this show and what we're doing with, uh, you know, this this show and, and the Let's Go Racing podcast. We're about to do some expansive of sorts, some very – Exciting things to announce in the near future. So be looking forward to that. And we'll see you in 2021. Have a happy new year, everybody. Enjoy this great football weekend. Get college football playoff games. Week 17 of the NFL. The witching hour of the NFL season. Should be a lot of fun. And uh, we'll see you back here on Monday for another edition of the Jones Report. A reminder as always, subscribe to the show. On Apple, Spotify, Google Google Podcasts, leave us a five star review or don't leave us one at all. Social media: Twitter at Tyler Jones Live at TJ Media Group, Instagram Jones underscore Report Tyler Jones Live, Facebook Tyler Jones Live TJ Media Group. You can find us there, and we'll see you right back here coming up on Monday. Have a great holiday and a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you on the other side. So long.